Welcome to episode 9 of Taekwondo, The Shame Chronicles. I'm Kyle. And I'm Melanie. And I'm special guest Josh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Um, (laughs) That's not true. I think Drew Carey is probably going to sue us now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I take that back. Uh, This is the show where we talk about... um, Sort of the embarrassing things that we did growing up and still continue to do as adults. Uh, and also about anything else that we decide to talk about. So uh, just for those of you who haven't listened to the first eight episodes, if you're a new listener, uh, that's what this is about. It's sort of the show about anything. Um, guys, I wanted to start off this episode uh, by bringing back a fan favorite, or at least I'm assuming it's a fan favorite, um, because nobody has called in to tell us that they hate it yet. Uh, and that is the Kyle apologizes for something that he did segment. Um, I think this has probably, uh, been building for the last couple of, uh, episodes. And that is, I just want to apologize to all of our foreign listeners for my blatant ethnocentrism and xenophobia. Um, specifically, I think in the last episode, uh, I'm afraid that I'm really afraid that we turned off a lot of our, <laughs> uh, a lot of our foreign listeners, particularly, uh, our listeners in England, who I believe I called limey bastards. Um, <laughs> I, I made fun of them for their mispronunciation of words. Uh, so England, I apologize to you and all of your people. Um, but you still mispronounce words. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's, being honest here, um, your pronunciation of certain words is, is pretty horrendous. But, but I apologize for calling you out on it. Uh, and I'll apologize next time for calling you out on it this time. Um, I also want to apologize to Australia, uh, (laughs) for calling them mini limey bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I mean, it's probably unfair. Well, as far as I know, Australians hate it when you confuse them with uh, with Britons, Englishmen. <laughs> um, so I just want to apologize for making that comparison, uh, and also for um, for saying that basically, well, for everything that I know about your language coming from the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so I apologize to England, I apologize to Australia. Um, finally, I want to apologize to Germany, um, <laughs> because I think I said that your language is a monster language. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that was just, I mean, we were, we were doing a, we were doing like a little skit, right? So, I mean, I was just in character of, of somebody who was, uh, sort of xenophobic. So, Germany, I'm sorry I called your language a monster language. Uh, your language is a little bit scary. Um, I don't think there's any denying that, but it's not a monster language. And I'm also pretty sure that your word for aluminum, aluminum is not hell. Uh, so I apologize <laughs> for that too. Uh, I feel like I have to do this because I think about 5% of our listeners are from other countries. So, uh, I really, really don't want to turn off any any listeners at this point. Maybe when we get up to like a hundred thousand or something, then I can piss off an entire country or an entire continent, um, and maybe it won't matter as much. But for now, uh, I apologize to everyone. 
Uh, I guess I, I also apologize to um, Americans who were insulted by <laughs> by my <laughs> ethnocentrist remarks as well. Um, okay, so now that we have the apology segment out of the way... Um, well, can, I, can I go ahead and uh, apologize uh, to all those countries as well for, <laughs> for my accents? <laughs> sure. And I, also, uh, also Russia. Oh, yeah, for... Yeah, for not having one ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty big oversight. Yeah, well, a little bit later on in in this episode, I think we're probably also going to be apologizing to Austria, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> that's that's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. Um, all right, guys, I want to I want to talk about something. Um, that's sort of the theme of the show, uh, and that's the, the fear of embarrassment, like, with uh, whatever it is that you're doing at the time, like, not being sure if, if what it is is embarrassing or stupid or whatever. Um, I, over the weekend, I thought of uh, two situations in my life where I, uh, where this sort of feeling was reinforced and maybe uh, multiplied and expanded <laughs> in my mind <laughs> to sort of uh, make me the person who I am today. <laughs> Um, and one of these was in fourth grade. We had, uh, like as part of one of the classes, part of the like reading class or whatever, we had to sort of, the, the whole class would read a book together and the teacher would sort of, uh, go around the room and pick people at random or, or maybe not so random in some cases, um, mm-hmm. and ask everyone to sort of read, uh, like a couple of paragraphs before moving on to the next student. Um, and so... The, the problem with this is that I had an idea of how these words, you know, were supposed to be pronounced in my head, but I hadn't ever heard them pronounced by someone out loud. Um, and so these are words like, uh, like ptarmigan, that has a silent P, uh, mm-hmm. oscillation, which has a silent C. Um, <laughs> just, you know, words like that. Uh, I, I remember sort of an earlier experience, um, in like maybe second grade when I got this book called um, The Fox in the Socks by Dr. Seuss. Uh, and the, the main character's name was uh, Knox, K-N-O-X, like the uh-huh. fort. Um, uh-huh. And so I think this maybe set me up for the fourth grade scenario, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But I, when, I think our parents first read this to us, Melanie. Um, uh-huh. And when they were reading it, they pronounced it, you know, Mr. Knox or whatever his name was. Right. Um, and I hadn't like paid attention to the book. I had just like looked at the pictures or whatever, but not the words when they were reading it to me. And then, so when I was reading it later on my own, I saw the K there and was like, well, were my parents pronouncing this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> because at the time I didn't know that the K N letters together was just the N sound with the K was silent. Um, and I, I guess I sort of, uh, realized about halfway through the book, you know, that this was the case that my parents probably were not pronouncing this wrong, (laughs) but that some words, uh, some words are not pronounced anything like what they, they look like. Um, so going back to this fourth grade, um, reading thing, uh, I specifically remember a scenario. I think we were reading a book, um, called like to build a fire or something like that. And uh, the word was ptarmigan, as I mentioned. And the kid who was going, like, right before me pronounced it as ptarmigan. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't sound like that could be a real word. I was pronouncing it ptarmigan in my head. Uh, but when he said it, the teacher didn't stop him to correct him. And so I was like, oh, holy crap. I was like, if I was reading that part, I would have said it wrong. I would have said ptarmigan. Um, and then this, this kind of happened a little bit more. The teacher never really ever stopped someone to pronounce, uh, to pronounce words correctly. I think I'm guessing the whole purpose of this, um, this assignment or this exercise was just to get kids comfortable with reading. Right. Um, I guess it would probably be um, sort of a, a hit to their confidence if, like, every other word that they pronounced was wrong and the teacher had to stop them. So right. um, I understand why the teachers did this, but for me, uh, like, this was one of those things where, like, we took these, like, reading tests or whatever, and I was, like, always way ahead of the, the rest of the class. Um mm-hmm. Because probably because I didn't have like many friends and I really like to read, so uh, like I was reading at at according to these tests I was reading at a fourteenth uh, grade reading level in fourth grade, <laughs> and so I was I was pretty confident that I was pronouncing all these words right in my head, and then this happened, and I was like, oh well, maybe maybe I've been pronouncing these words wrong, you know, this whole time, and then I had this like constant fear whenever I was reading after that especially like in public or in front of people that um I was pronouncing these words wrong. Right. Uh so so that's one experience. Um the second experience happened well actually before we move on to the second experience, you guys are both teachers. Yeah. Obviously you teach at a higher <laughs> a higher level than uh fourth grade, but what would you guys have done in this situation? Would you have well, let the kids continue on with the mispronounced word, or would you have stopped them? Well, so this does happen even in our classes and with words that are not necessarily like, you know, like the vocabulary isn't necessarily very difficult all the time. Um, and I'm definitely the kind of teacher that like, uh, I don't want to embarrass my students and I know some of them don't read as much as others. And so I probably would fall in the camp that your teacher fell into, but I also, as a student, fall into the camp that you fall into. <laughs> so um, it's kind of a bit of a contradiction. But um, I usually only jump in if the student pauses and they seem uncertain. Um, sure. Or if another student later reads the same word and they're like, and they clearly seem to be trying to negotiate what the right pronunciation is, then I'll jump in and tell them. Yeah. But, so- uh Sorry, based on what you just said, maybe there's like a third sort of situation that I'd never really thought about, uh, and that is sort of a lesson for life. Um, whereas if, if you don't know something, as long as you're confident about it, <laughs> no one's going to stop you. <laughs> yeah, like four times the square root of eight is 162. <laughs> yeah, most people are, I mean, if you're like, if you just like, you could, you could pretend to be, uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character in whatever that movie was. <laughs> Rain Man. Rain Man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least I remember the actor's name this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you could just, I mean, you could pretend like if somebody dropped like, uh, you know, a, a big thing of pens or whatever, you could just yell out a number that looks sort of <laughs> appropriate. And then they're going to think that you've got this like crazy, beautiful mind. Um, and maybe you're haunted by people who aren't actually there, but, uh, that's kind of a cool superpower that you have. Um, but I feel like, uh, 
yeah, if, if you're not confident about it and you're wrong, that's sort of like a two, two hit combo uh, against you. Um, right. That's true. But I, I really feel like the teacher not correcting the one student is, is sort of hurting everybody else. <laughs> It's yeah. like it's like do you do you hurt one student's confidence uh you know but then teach everyone else something wrong <laughs> uh right. or do you do you keep that one kid's confidence up um I mean I guess I I don't know what's more important to you guys as as teachers do you I mean I guess the, making a kid sort of interested in learning and and keeping up that confidence to to push forward is probably the most important thing but at a certain point is there some sort of like uh uh like equation that goes through your mind like I'm teaching a class of 30 kids do I want 29 kids to to be taught something wrong or like maybe maybe if it was like a like some sort of internet class where it was like a thousand students or something like at that point would it make sense to correct the guy I think it depends on what the what the word is or what the situation is. I mean, if if it's important that they understand the vocabulary, then yeah, I think you should correct to them. But if it's just like like this happened in a in one of our fiction workshops one time where we had to go around the room reading a story together, and um, it was like a place or something that had a weird name. It wasn't Montauk, but I'll just say Montauk because that's the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> but, like, people would, like, like, I knew it was Montauk, but then, like, seven people in a row said something like Montauk. And I was like, well, because then you start feeling like you're this, like, smug, superior person if you didn't pronounce it correctly <laughs> after seven other people have said it wrong. <laughs> But then it's also like then if you fall into the same trap, then the eighth person or the ninth person or whatever, then they say it right. Then you're like, well, I knew it was right. I just didn't want to embarrass all those other people. <laughs> <laughs> so like it happens. I mean, but it but in that particular instance, like it doesn't really matter how how you. I mean, I guess some people would say that it matters, but it doesn't change your comprehension or whatever. So I lean on the on the side of just being right. And uh, having my students know what is right, and I, I think it's it, this is probably part of why I, I don't like I don't have any idea how to teach kids how to read, so I wouldn't be good at that. But in college, I think if you're not saying you know if they mispronounce a word and then you can correct them and make it sound like they're stupid, you know, <laughs> like it's not patarmigan, jeez, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just say it's Tarmigan, and then I don't feel like they should be that embarrassed. It's just like it's something you didn't know, so right. But it's also one of those things where, um, like, I'll occasionally have my students read, you know, a, a, each of them read a paragraph just to get through like a a short article or something. And it's one of those things where. You always read silently faster than anybody else is going to read aloud. So you feel this like, like pressure to like speed things along for some reason. <laughs> and so if people like get hung up or they hesitate a lot when they're reading, like sometimes I just feel like, oh, I'll just, you know, let them keep going because it's going to take even more time for me to like jump in and correct them. And 
I don't know. Yeah, and then once their confidence is shaken, they're probably going to like be even more <laughs> self-conscious and slow down even further, right? Yeah. Like, I have yeah, that I think, problem. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I have that problem when I'm reading. I'm, like, way more concerned about not making an ass of myself or, like, not saying something <laughs> wrong. That right. by, when I'm done, I don't remember anything that I read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. I mean, it's it's a really... It's, for some reason, it's a high-pressure situation even, like, when you're in your 20s. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just that that pressure of of not looking stupid in front of your peers or in front of even like your superiors, your teachers or bosses or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or or even in front of people <laughs> who are your your I don't want to say lessers, <laughs> your inferiors, <laughs> the, the people who are are lower in status in whatever position you're in. Um, right. Like you, you especially don't want to make an ass of yourself in front of those people. So. Yeah, or even people who uh, whose opinions you care nothing about. It's, you know, it's like I don't <laughs> actually care what they think of my reading, but I I do have to do the best possible thing. I, you know, I can. <laughs> I had this experience once reading in a college classroom, and it was a pretty long passage. I was reading for a while, and then I started thinking about my reading voice and how it sounded a little weird. And I read for like five or six minutes, and most of the time I was thinking about myself speaking and and then i realized that in the middle of it i was like oh what if i stop reading because i'm not even thinking about what i'm reading but (laughs) my mouth is just going the whole time i'm reading (laughs) i assume it was correct because no one ever stopped me it is it it can be like sort of an out-of-body experience though like Mm -hmm. if you become aware of yourself reading and it's it's a long enough period of time that you're reading for I get this weird thing. It's like tunnel vision where I can only see the the very next word. <laughs> and it's like I start panicking like, oh, my gosh, what if like uh, what if in five words I don't know the next word that's there or like or uh, or again, like just an unfamiliar word. And it takes you half a beat longer to like think about how to pronounce it or whatever. Yeah. So, OK, now that I now that I know that this is sort of a common human experience <laughs> and not just something specific to me in fourth grade, and and currently and for my entire life, um, well, just because Melanie and I agree with you doesn't necessarily mean it's common. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we probably but... all fall into a similar uh, <laughs> subsection of students. Sure, uh, but it it does seem common enough right um yeah. and i'm sure that you guys as as teachers probably see this in a lot of your, your students as well mm-hmm. um but because of this i'm just curious like what's the point of making people read in front of other people then is it is it just for the teacher's sake so that they know that you know how to read <laughs> well when i do it it's because i want us to engage with a text in class but i don't want to have to read the whole thing well okay i guess that makes sense so you're you're sort of taking the burden off of yourself and putting it on the rest of your class. Yeah, and also they get sick of listening to me anyway. So it's not even just for myself. It's just like if if they know that they're going to have to read in a few paragraphs, they're more likely to keep paying attention. <laughs> you know what would be the most terrifying thing to me? That's that's if a teacher asked me to read something and then immediately following what I read asked me what it was about. <laughs> ask me to interpret it in some way. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you do run the risk of students just, like, counting ahead how many paragraphs before they have to read and then reading that paragraph silently while everybody else is reading. and then. Oh, I totally so the, did that. Yeah, I because, do it too sometimes. So this was another problem I had in fourth grade, and that is, like, so we moved around a lot uh, because, of, because of our parents' jobs and when they got divorced and stuff like that. <laughs> so we moved around between cities and between sort of school districts, between states, how, you know, each state kind of does it in a slightly different way. And uh, there was a point, I'm assuming, where um, they taught you what a paragraph was. <laughs> um, and whatever point this was, uh, was after the point where we left, like, Kansas, but before the point <laughs> where we got to Colorado. So right. the teacher would, like, ask, uh, ask the class to read, like, a paragraph. And as soon as you're done with the paragraph, the next student would read or whatever. Um, and I was just terrified, but like, I probably should have just asked what a paragraph was since I was, I was the new kid and I'm sure the teacher would have like understood that this wasn't just like some like dumb student. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I didn't ask cause I was terrified, uh, that everyone else would think I was stupid. And so, uh, luckily, um, I could kind of figure it out based on where everybody else would like start reading and stop reading that it was, Hey, the little indentation <laughs> uh, in the line of, or in the, the lines of text. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think that that's, um, I don't know that fear of like asking for help, uh, is also yeah. kind of a problem. So, Yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, um, as a teacher, and I don't have any pedagogy to back this up, but I do think it's good to have some sort of practice reading out loud and, you know, you just kind of deal with things that are uncomfortable in general. So, <laughs> uh, I know most of my students don't necessarily enjoy it, but it's like, well, that's not going to hurt you. I mean, it's... I guess it could, it could hurt them, but. <laughs> I don't know. I think if if you you know are creating an environment that doesn't feel like people are judging necessarily, that kind of helps. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to the second scenario that I thought mm -hmm. of because uh, I think this one's a little more poignant. Um, and that is uh, when I was a junior or senior in high school. Um, my, I think it was my computer science teacher um, recommended me for this thing called uh, like Next Tech Future Leaders of Technology or something like that. And it was mm -hmm. like a little um, uh, like week-long field trip thing to Austin where uh, you would basically go there and you would sort of be there amongst like 200 or 300 of your peers who were all sort of into technology or computers or whatever. And then part of it was, um, part of it was like going around to various technology places in Austin, um, to see like how like businesses were run in the field of technology. And one of these field trips was to a game company. Um, I think they were called Digital Anvil. Uh, I don't remember what game they made. I think it was like Free Space or something. Um, which was like a space, uh, exploration game. And part of the tour of their company was they sort of showed us how um, how they did how they recorded the audio for certain 
things, like how they recorded voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sort of in the middle of this tour, they asked for a volunteer to, uh, to, you know, lend their voice to like basically read a line, um, from a script. And then they would show us how they, uh, sort of like modified all the audio to make it sound like an alien. Um, and so <laughs> the question to the group of people was, who wants to come up here and read this thing like an alien? <laughs> <laughs> and so like half of the people, half of the people in the group raised their hands, me included. Fortunately, I wasn't picked, which, <laughs> which we'll come to in a second. But basically the line was something like, uh, the line that the person had to read was something like, what do we do with the human? And the instructions were, read this in your best alien voice. <laughs> and the person who read it just sort of, uh, read it like, um, uh, sort of like a, sort of almost monotone, like really clear, almost like radio voice. Uh-huh. Um, maybe not necessarily monotone, but just like lacking a lot of emotion. Um, right. And it was, and he read it something like this: "What do we do with the human?" <laughs> which, which in my mind was nothing like how an alien would talk, right? But I hadn't, I hadn't heard the aliens in this game before, so I didn't know what, exactly what they were looking for. Um, and as soon as he said it, I was like, "Oh, thank God, that was him and not me," <laughs> because in my mind, I was going to pronounce the line something like this. What do we do with the human? <laughs> oh god. Oh man. And and so like as soon as he said that I was like, "Oh, thank god that wasn't me." And basically you know that same sort of uh, fear of like embarrassing myself just immediately got like ten times stronger. Like <laughs> there was no more volunteering for things after that. <laughs> oh. 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 Uh, and the sad part is they probably would have um, then decided, like, you know, we should hire this guy to start doing these voices. <laughs> yeah, like thinking back on it now, the guy that actually volunteered who got, who got picked probably didn't do it right. But they didn't make yeah. fun of him or anything. They weren't like, no, say it more like an alien would, not like a right. professor. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> maybe not a professor, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things where I was, it was like, you know, sort of um, end of puberty, like uh, middle of high school, like sort of insecurity <laughs> just being reinforced because I didn't do something like like one of my peers uh, did. So Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's like what looking. School is uh, school is really great at um, getting people to conform to things. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I know it like completely tamps out any creativity. Like you had a completely yeah. creative way of saying that line, <laughs> then because somebody else didn't say it very creatively at all, it was like, oh, I must be wrong. <laughs> and other people have really creative ways of pronouncing words. <laughs> <laughs> like the charm again. Yeah. Um. That that sort of reminds me of another experience I had in high school. This is like uh, when we first moved to San Diego. Um, uh, it was the beginning of my junior year, and they asked us in, I think, my English class, uh, our our teacher, Mr. Richards, I think? Yeah, Mr. Richard. Uh, 
Yeah, he he sort of asked everyone sort of in a line to get up and say, you know, who they are and give a little bit about themselves. Um, and I swear to God, like, ten people who were all sort of friends, um, you could tell because of the way they were dressed, mm-hmm. uh, that they all hung out together. Each one of them got up and said the exact same thing, and it was this. Hi, my name's so-and-so. I like to think of myself as a nonconformist. I don't really like... Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't really try to dress and act like the way society wants me to. Um, and yeah, it was literally like ten people. Like like five people in a row, too, because they were all <laughs> they were all friends and were like sitting together. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to see um, to what lengths people will go to to be different and then... Uh, all end up being the same, basically. Yeah. Kyle, do you remember, um, like, our first day of school in San Diego? <laughs> um, I don't know what you were wearing, but I distinctly remember what I was wearing because it was quite different from what everybody else was wearing. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about <laughs> school fashion? <laughs> well... Or particularly like what, what we thought was fashionable? Well, okay, so we came from, like, we came from College Station, Texas, which, especially when you're not in college yet, is a pretty, like, fairly conservative, sort of wholesome kind of place to grow up. Um, and, like, people dressed like they were from a Gap commercial, for the most part. Or at least my friends did. And sure. When we moved to San Diego, I I remember exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing um, khaki pants from The Gap with <laughs> brown Doc Martin boots and a three-quarter length white shirt on the first day of school. And when I got to school, what other people were wearing <laughs> was like, Mini skirts that when they sat, I'm pretty sure their underwear touched the seat. And, um, those backless shirts that like had just like ties or whatever to hold them on. Uh-huh. And our lunch was outside. And so girls would be like trying to sunbathe during lunch. <laughs> and I went home and pretty much was like, I go to school with a bunch of prostitutes. <laughs> And I felt uh, really stupid in what I was wearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, San Diego was was kind of a culture shock uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Fashion being one of them, sort of uh, the the general culture of the school being another one. Like, um, like I was a little bit surprised by the amount of drugs that happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, I guess I guess that happened in College Station too. Uh, I just was never around it. Um, right. I guess I wasn't really around it a whole lot in San Diego either, but you heard of it a lot more. Yeah. Um, but then also, uh, just like weird things, like in, in Texas, like football and cheerleading are like the two things that make you popular. Right. Whereas in San Diego, it was like the water polo team. And, like, I don't know what it was for girls. Maybe still the water polo team. I'm not sure. Um, no. <laughs> I can tell you from experience, no. <laughs> but, yeah, it was weird things. Or, like, being on the surf team or something. Like, 
Well, maybe not being on the team, but being a surfer. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Definitely being a surfer made you cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't know. Did we actually have a surf team? Was that a thing? We did. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, fashion was, fashion was something that I didn't really get all throughout high school anyway. Mm-hmm. So, for me, like, I was just sort of oblivious. Um, I guess it was cool because all the gr- girls were dressing a lot sluttier <laughs> when we moved to San Diego. So that was, that was fine. Uh, but as far as, like, the clothes that I would wear, uh, it didn't really make a difference <laughs> to me one way or the other. Uh, partly because I think, like, Fashion was a lot sort of more laid back in San Diego. Like in, in Texas, it's all like like blue jeans and t-shirts. Or if you're like one of the uh, one of the not cool kids, it was like jankos and and t-shirts. <laughs> t-shirts were kind of common <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> Josh, you grew up in Texas too. What did you wear in high school? Um, well, when I was in high school, uh, I dressed like. Uh, like I was in a grunge band, so. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, that's because you're significantly older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kurt uh, Cobain had just recently died, uh, so. Uh, torn blue jeans or. Uh, li- yeah, a lot of blue jeans, um, loose, baggy. Um, but a lot of flannel too. Do what? You had longer hair, too, right? Yeah. Like, how long are we talking? Like, did you have a ponytail, or (laughs) just, like, shaggy? No, just, um, like, uh, chin length, probably. Maybe a little bit longer at some point, but I got to a point where I could could put my hair in a very small ponytail, but that was not generally a good idea. Sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> good that you had the the uh the self consciousness, I guess, to, to see that. Yeah. I mean there were pretty clear divisions between like people wearing sort of cowboy clothes and then people who were uh it was like I guess the divisions were like kicker. Yeah. Right. And, it's like cowboy uh, boots and blue jeans and yeah, and like everybody down shirts, it, right? It's true that everybody had blue jeans, um, <laughs> but these were like like tight blue jeans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're With usually darker. tucked in usually. Yeah, yeah, they're dark, a darker blue versus like a more uh, washed. Yeah, like giant belt jeans. buckle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, cowboy hat, or you could have like a baseball, you know, a worn baseball cap that was acceptable. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, preps, who then had some sort of polo type shirt, who dressed like a Gap commercial. Yeah, <laughs> what Melanie was talking about. <laughs> but I wasn't a prep. You would have been at my school. <laughs> Personality-wise, you weren't Melanie. But the fact that you cared about fashion at all, and it wasn't all just like like blue jeans and like a a, a top or whatever. Um, you sort of you dressed preppy, but your personality wasn't preppy. So. All right. I can handle yeah. that. <laughs> well, I, I felt the same way like um, later when I was in, I think in grad school, probably or later in college, I was working with high school kids. Um, and one of them called me a prep one time. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, 
I do have like a some sort of uh, alligator on my polo shirt here. Because, <laughs> you know, I had, I had to go to a job and stuff. That's the kind of thing you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, Melanie, I would say, like, just to reinforce that a little bit, if you were ever in high school and you ever owned a pair of Capri pants... <laughs> <laughs> I owned, like, one. <laughs> All it takes is one pair. <laughs> They were really cute. <laughs> uh, no, but like I remember Melanie, everyone, basically everyone on the swim team, uh, like because I was I was on the swim team a year ahead of you, so they all sort of knew me. But then when you joined, like I remember everyone just talking about how like fashionable you were and how <laughs> so cool you were too. for like uh, for like the clothes you were wearing. Um, That's so strange. Which. That those sort of like compliments that I heard about you sort of drove me the other way. Not that I would have, <laughs> not, not, not that I would have really changed my my outlook on fashion a whole lot, regardless. But made me want to try a whole lot less because uh, I was never going to be like on the same level as you. Um, but <laughs> That's so weird for me. <laughs> uh, so. So this is this was what I wore pretty much throughout my entire high school uh, career, and that was um, like a combination of sweatpants. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about pants first. <laughs> uh, I would either wear sweatpants, like windbreaker pants, um, sometimes like a like a jean short. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh like a pair of like khaki slacks um basically anything that was loose right that was comfortable yep. to sit in or or run in or whatever like if i needed to be physically <laughs> active at a moment's notice i could do it <laughs> uh and then as far as like uh shirts went i pretty much exclusively wore like giant baggy swim swim meat themed t-shirts <laughs> yeah <laughs> like shirts that were like extra large on my like six foot two uh like 145 pound frame <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean when you're swimming as much as you were it becomes kind of annoying to like make a production about what you're wearing when you're not swimming is that true? Well, <laughs> I mean, I can well, I can see that for like a girl because like girls are expected to wear like makeup and like do their hair and everything. Like I didn't yeah. even have to worry about those things. All I had to worry about was the things that I clothed <laughs> myself with. <laughs> like the well, like like in one context I'm wearing like a tiny ass speedo, and in another context I'm wearing like the oversized. hugest clothes that I could possibly find. <laughs> Maybe you were just overcompensating for how naked you were the rest uh, of the time. Maybe. Well, okay, so I would say, like, the probably the pinnacle of me caring about what I looked like was, like, 8th and ninth grade. And then um, when we moved to San Diego and I realized that I was not going to dress like a prostitute and therefore would not fit in with everybody, <laughs> um, I pretty much started wearing more of the, like, wind pants and I wore pajama pants to school like every other day of my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
I pretty quickly like stopped wearing makeup and uh, just had my hair in a ponytail pretty much all the time. So, so uh, that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like I think maybe my aversion to to jeans started uh, at a young age when Dad would like take me clothes shopping, and he would buy me. <laughs> He would buy me jeans. This was at this was at like like third grade maybe, uh, but uh-huh. I have memories of this. And he'd take me to like Walmart or wherever, um, to the jeans section, and I'd end up with like this pair of jeans that was like maybe an inch or two too short, and like <laughs> t- like uncomfortably tight around my legs. Um, and I think that gave me sort of the wrong impression of of jeans. that I just carried through with me all the way until my freshman year in college when I rediscovered jeans (laughs) and started wearing them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I went through, uh, in in junior high, I went through a year where I wore shorts every single day. (laughs) Even when it was like, in the winter when it got pretty cold. I uh I was purposely like no I don't care I'm doing this <laughs> <laughs> I've gone five months wearing shorts and I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I uh I remember a similar phase I I think it was in junior high um I did a lot of like organized sports in junior high because uh the town we lived in um basically for every season there was a sport that you could do that was organized by the city. And by the mm-hmm. time I got into high school, or sorry, junior high, um, pretty much everyone who was any like in any way remotely athletic at all did all the sports. So I did football, I did wrestling, um, I did basketball, but I, did, I didn't do basketball in junior high. But uh, part of the deal of, of doing the, the sports is that you got sort of a the athletic clothing, the branded athletic clothing for the school, <laughs> uh, yeah. which was like a t-shirt and like a pair of mesh shorts um, <laughs> that said West Junior High on it, or West <laughs> Middle School. Uh, and this was like the most comfortable thing you could possibly ever wear. <laughs> and so I made it a point to to wear this at any time that it was appropriate, or that I thought it was appropriate. Which is basically any time except while I was physically in class or at church. <laughs> so, uh, so I had like a similar thing where I had like a big like starter jacket because <laughs> it was freezing outside in Kansas, um, and then I would wear my mesh athletic shorts, <laughs> sort of sort of pulled down a little bit below my butt because my starter jacket went down that low, and the lower I pulled my shorts, the more leg they covered. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it was freezing, but I didn't want to wear pants, so <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was this. This segment has just been full of embarrassing things. <laughs> I should say uh, before we close it that I'm actually wearing a pair of those mesh shorts right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> earlier Josh was like, "Have you seen my black athletic shorts?" <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, and I actually stole them from my brother. They are they are from um, when he played high school football. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure that I stole either Kyle your shorts or Andrew's shorts at some time. Yeah, I and think he, was wearing those for a while as well. Yeah, I, I think I vaguely remember that. They were like um, these aren't like 
like traditional or like the the modern day basketball shorts that like went right. down below that go down below the knee. These are like <laughs> like Short. three three quarters of the way down the thigh is where, <laughs> where they stopped. So it wasn't even like knee level. <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course, you know, at that time, all the cool kids were like sagging and stuff anyway. So they were they were doing what I did with when I had my starter jacket on, but just like all the time. <laughs> Uh, where it was he like was doing just... it to be cool, and you were doing it to be warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I th- that's probably enough about uh, fashion <laughs> and our uh, <laughs> embarrassment meter. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys have been listening to Taekwondo at the Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. We're back, um, guys. Uh, last episode, you you guys told me that you went and saw Twenty One Jump Street, mm-hmm. um, and you said that it was like, uh, well, Melanie, I think your quote was, "You went to the movie theater thinking that you were better than everybody else that was there." <laughs> <laughs> like, you were of the opinion that you weren't there because you wanted to see the movie. So much as you were there because uh, you could see a movie, and this was the one you happened to be seeing, but you right. were still better than all of the other people there who who presumably did want to see the movie. Yes. Um, and then you guys sort of convinced me that this was better than it seemed on paper or in the preview. Oh, no. Did uh, you guys see it? And I went and saw it. And I went and saw it with, with Mom and Gary. Oh, okay. Um. And it ended up, you you guys pretty much nailed it on the head. It was like ten okay. times funnier than it looked in the preview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you actually liked it. I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I thought it I thought it was hilarious. And uh, um, uh, Channing Tatum was uh, was really funny in it too, which was unexpected for me. So yeah. Um, so yeah, guys out there, I know it, it looks like a really stupid movie, <laughs> but if you haven't seen it yet, you should go see it. Uh, it's really funny. Even though like half of the jokes are dick jokes, and it has a pretty raunchy dick joke at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and, and I guess the other half of the jokes are like drugs <laughs> or <laughs> or alcohol related, uh, but it's still it's still really funny. And there's kind of a clever, if somewhat obvious, chase scene joke too <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny yeah um so so yeah that's uh, another endorsement for 21 jump street um you should go out and see it uh the next movie that i watched uh i watched this with lauren in the theaters was the hunger games and i understand mm-hmm. that you guys saw this too yes so um josh have you read the books yeah Okay, so everyone here has read the books and seen the movie. So, uh, so what did you guys think? I thought it was great. Like I, um, we went the day. Well, we went like the Friday that it came out, but not to like a midnight showing or anything. Um, but I had been looking at like friends' like Facebook feeds to see if people liked it or not. And so before we went, only a few of my friends had seen it. And the response seemed really positive. And then we went, and then, like, later that night, almost everyone else on my Facebook was like, 
it was a terrible adaptation and it was awful. Really? Um, yeah, but I thought it was really great and I thought like it stuck to the book in all of the ways that mattered. Um, but I thought it was like, I'm glad that they didn't get bogged down with a lot of other stuff that happens in the book that doesn't happen in the movie. So. Yeah. Like, describing clothes for like three pages. <laughs> right. <laughs> or that describing how something tastes for a page. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that's like, in a movie, that's, that's something that you can just show. <laughs> like, you know what they yeah. say, a picture is worth yeah. a thousand words, and uh, yeah. 24 pictures per second <laughs> you can get a lot of description in there so <laughs> exactly right. uh so I thought, yeah um i thought elizabeth banks was really great in it as uh as effie uh i don't know who elizabeth banks is she's she's the one who plays the like um the one who reads all the names oh yeah i know who effie is yeah elizabeth banks um, was in uh scrubs and she was she's in 30 rock recently she was she in movie. Scrubs. Yeah. She was uh, JD's girlfriend who got pregnant blonde. at the very end. Oh, the the blonde, uh, sort of emotionally cold one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's her, that's basically her character in almost everything. Of, I was gonna say she's kind of emotionally cold in Thirty Rock, also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, she's been in a couple of movies lately too. Yeah, yeah. Her her performance was good. I thought I thought all the performances. Was were pretty good. I really liked uh, Woody Harrelson as. I liked him um, too. Yeah. As uh, whatever his name was, Harold. Hamich. Hamich. I was about to say Hagrid, but I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I thought he had a he had a really good performance. I wasn't expecting. Um, was it Donald Sutherland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As President Snow. Um, but I thought he was he was okay, even though Snow didn't really get a a big uh, piece of of time in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that the the movie was pretty much almost almost one for one what happened in the book, with the exception of like two sort of small like insignificant things. Um, yeah. So I don't know I don't know why anyone could possibly say that it wasn't a good adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused by that too. I, I don't know. I guess people maybe expect something different from an adaptation, like that it's going to be exactly the same. But that's not the way I approach movies. Like, I just they're they're totally different things, and so you can't expect them to be the same. Yeah. So I like some. I, Melanie was telling me some of the complaints people had were like, you know, it's not that hard to do a voiceover, so you can hear what people are thinking. Um. Because the the book is in first person, so you get a lot of her thoughts, which you don't get literally in the movie. But like that's the worst move possible. Yeah, I think that's like super lazy storytelling. If you yeah. have right? to, that's what like, I think if too. you have to get the emotion across that the main character is feeling by having her read a script and then superimpose that onto the movie soundtrack, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. just terrible. That means that you didn't pick somebody <laughs> who could act who can act to, well. to yeah. play the the main character. Well, if you compare it to the first Twilight movie, which does have the voiceover, um, there's one part when she pulls into the high school and she says something like, first day of high school, and then her truck backfires, and she goes, great. <laughs> it's like, what does great add? You know, like, why do you need that in voiceover? Yeah, yeah I mean, if if you're a good enough um, director or 
uh, or editor, you can you can bring out the emotion that the that the actor was feeling um, just by giving them some direction, or the actor themselves can supply that in you know the way they're acting. Or yeah, right. you can have like some sort of musical or audio cue that that brings about that feeling. You don't have to yeah. have somebody like physically telling you <laughs> exactly <laughs> like what their emotion is at that time. Yeah. Right. I think the other one of the other big differences that I thought was a really good move um was that you know the movie opens with um Seneca Crane the game maker being interviewed by um what's his face? What's the guy's name? Oh, um, I don't remember. Blue-haired guy? Stanley. Yeah, the blue-haired guy. The, like, host uh, or Caesar whatever. Caesar something? Caesar. Yeah, yeah Caesar Flickerman. Um, so it opens with, like, their little interview, and then periodically throughout the games, um, Caesar and the other guy, Claudius, sort of, like, jump in to be like, in case you didn't know what a tracker jacker was, <laughs> and sort of, like, <laughs> and then they sort of, like, explain it, and presumably that's for the the audience watching the hunger games but it's like also helpful to yeah that was audience. that was a smart thing to do like it would have yeah. been really stupid if like uh if katniss and rue were like sitting in a tree like having a conversation about yeah about the history of tracker checkers <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh, so and the kind of and, without yeah, having like without having like a four or five hour movie you can't get that information in the way that's delivered in the book right, right. And honestly, you don't really need it that badly. Like, yeah. if they didn't explain what tracker jackers were, you would still understand these are some sort of wasp, and they can kill you and cause you to hallucinate. I, like, I think, I think part of the problem, though, I think, I think it was good that they explained it in the movie. Um, I think it was really good that they explained it the way they did. But the wasps yeah. in the movie didn't didn't look any different from normal wasps, yeah. other yeah. than like the huge uh, the huge nest that they had. Um, so I think it would have been like difficult to to get the point across that these were like genetically engineered super wasps if they right. hadn't said something but if they had like if they had made the these like giant like computer animated wasps or something right. then maybe maybe that would have gotten the point across without them having to explain it but uh but yeah I, the way they did it was was definitely good enough so yeah but i think people just get too like they get too wrapped up in the in the book version, which is really like everybody's book version, except for what's explicitly on the page, is different because you have a different imagination. So you have to understand that, like, for somebody to capture exactly what you imagined is going to be pretty much impossible without your input, you know? Yeah, right. Unless you made the movie yourself. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, people get hung up on, like, who got cast in different roles and stuff, and it's like, really? Like... Unless they're a bad actor, I don't see the point in being upset about that. <laughs> um, so, my my idea of the characters, like in my imagination, yeah, that that's right. Like I, most of the characters that I saw didn't look anything like what I had actually pictured them. Right. With the exception of Peta, <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I just imagined him looking almost exactly like that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Which Lauren totally disagreed. She she was like, I thought that. She said something like, I thought he was supposed to be, like, cuter. <laughs> and and all I, all I could think of was, like, no, I'm pretty sure that uh, his description in the book was not, like, that he was, like, this heartthrob, like, character. Right. I thought that he was supposed to be kind of a, kind of a, like, chunky, not, like, chunky, but, like, <laughs> uh, 
uh, husky kind of uh, husky kind of guy with like a with like a good smile, and those were sort of like the right. the defining characteristics that I thought. And I thought the person, whoever it was that that played that part, pretty much fit exactly with what I thought in my head. But Lauren was expecting someone cuter, I guess. Well, I think that if you read those books, if you read any of those books, like if you feel invested in the potential like romance angle of them, you're probably going to picture somebody that like you would be attracted to. Sure. You know? So I don't want to get into spoiler territory <laughs> since only the first movie has come out. Right. Um, but the way I pictured him as not being like super hot. Yeah. Um, sort of made me disappointed with, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I probably just spoil it a lot, uh, but I'll just say that um, that I was disappointed with with sort of the ending of the of the series. Should I cut this whole thing out? No, <laughs> whole, I don't. The whole think, last part I, that people, I just talked about. I don't think you gave away anything too obvious. I know. I know that mom is reading the. She just finished the first book. Right. Um. So I would hate to. Well, I guess that, is that, I mean, that's sort of a major plot point, right? I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the more we, we talk about it, then we will end up giving something away. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's stop talking about the Hunger Games. I think we, we all kind of agreed that it was a, a good movie. Um, yeah. and I think it, I think it did the book justice. Um, which for me, I, I didn't think it was like the world's greatest book. <laughs> to begin with, right. but it was it was good enough that it kept me interested. It made me made me want to read straight through to the end of the the trilogy. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think I think the the movie did a really good job of ca- capturing what the books were about. I had uh, one more one more thing in um, in the land of entertainment that I wanted to talk about, uh, and that is a downloadable video game called. Um, journey uh this is this is something that's sort of uh i think it's exclusive to the playstation 3 so unfortunately it it hasn't uh hasn't gotten out to as many people as i hope finally get to experience it one day Uh um but this game is sort of uh unlike almost any other game i've ever played it's made by a company called that game company um whose previous titles were a game called Flow, which was like a, almost like a Petri dish <laughs> simulator <laughs> where uh, you're sort of this, um, you start off as like a single-celled organism and you start like eating things and then you become bigger and sort of more complex. <laughs> um, and then if you get eaten by something else, you sort of fall back down a layer, you get smaller. The whole purpose of this game, I think, was to... Uh, to see in video game design if there was a way to sort of naturally um, let the player choose the moments of uh, uh, of sort of peril versus moments of um, like jubilation, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, basically, the sort of natural chemical responses that happen in your brain, the sort of feedback loop of like, I did something, I got rewarded for it, or I. I did something wrong and I got punished for it. Sort of seeing if if you could put those moments in the in the player's control instead of in the game designer's control. Okay. Uh, their next game was a game called Flower, 
uh, where <laughs> this is going to have like sort of a really weird, like esoteric description. Um, <laughs> but basically you play the wind and <laughs> the purpose of this is, uh, you have to sort of guide this, um, flower petal around. And as you touch <laughs> other, other flowers, they bloom and add their petals to your, uh, like wind. So by by the time you get through like the end of a level, you have like this trail of flower petals in your wind that's uh that's like a hundred feet long or whatever. And this is less of a I mean it's less of a game than it is an experience. Like the whole point of this is you sort of you go through these it's like six or seven levels and it starts off and you're like in an open field. Um and it's got this kind of cool music where every time you like touch a flower, it sets off a note, and they set the flowers in such a way that you'll hit like twenty of them in a row, and so you'll get like a little jingle. Uh-huh. Um, but you start off with like an open field, and then it moves on to like um, like a place where there's uh, like windmills blowing. Um, so you get like a little more like man-made features there, and then finally you get into a place that's like kind of dark, where it's like. Um, like electrical power grids and stuff and you can sort of like the whole point of the game is going from like the natural world into like the man-made world where it's sort of like exploiting nature and then at the very end you're sort of overcoming man's exploitation of nature by sort of sending things back to uh, a more natural time Mm -hmm. uh, or a more natural setting Mm -hmm. Um, which is really weird for a video game (laughs) like there's there's (laughs) There's no combat in this at all. Like the entire point of this game is to just sort of uh, fly around in in the world and explore and uh, um, just sort of admire the feeling of of flying around through this natural world. Um, so their their most recent game uh, just came out last week. It's called Journey, and this game is sort of along the same lines of the first two games in that it's not a traditional game where you're just like shooting things or attacking things or being violent in any way um you are this uh sort of desert dweller um it starts off you're like um you start off on a sand dune and in in the distance you can see this mountain with like this big beam of light kind of shooting out of it and that's you're not really told that you're supposed to go there or try to make your way over to it that's just sort of implied since everything around you is like a desert wasteland um And along the way, you sort of discover these um, uh, these creatures that are made out of, like, sort of a magical cloth. That's <laughs> the best way to describe it. <laughs> um, and these sort of recharge your, your own uh, cloth that you're wearing. Um, and once that's recharged, you have the ability to sort of jump and fly through the air. So that's sort of the the game mechanic of it is you're just sort of traversing these environments. Uh, there's nothing, there's no, there's not a lot of danger until you get to sort of the end of the game where there's these creatures that are sort of trying to, to search for you and kill you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't have any way of fighting them, fighting back. Like the only, the only thing you can do is sort of traverse around the world. You can hide from these things. Um, but the really cool part of this game is there's this sort of, um, drop-in, drop-out, cooperative multiplayer thing where you'll just be running along and all of a sudden you'll see somebody like in the distance um, who looks exactly like you. Uh, and the whole conceit to this is that this is another person playing the game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they have no way of communicating with you. You have no way of communicating with them. There's not like voice chat or anything. All you can do is there's a, a little button that you can press that sort of lets out like a musical note. And, like, the longer you hold it, like, the louder the sound is. Um, And so you sort of end up, like, trying to get their attention by just, like, pushing the button a bunch of times. Or, like, uh, if you guys uh, both, like, get through the same sort of puzzle section together um, and, like, solve the puzzle, like, at the end, you'll both kind of, like, do, like, a like a long note that's sort of like a, almost like a high five in whatever this world is, but there's no, there's nothing communicating to you or there's nothing telling you that that's how you should communicate with the other person. Like you meet them and you sort of form your own way of communicating with them. Uh, you don't, you don't know who they are. Like there's just some random person who's playing the game with you. And so by the end of the game, you sort of, you're, you've shared this experience with, with this other person. Like, I played the game, and I went through pretty much the entire game with just this one person. And it gets to the point where, like, you get to, like, a tough section, and maybe the other person, like, didn't make it, like, missed a jump or something, so they have to sort of make their way back up. And you find yourself, like, waiting for this person, uh, because <laughs> because you don't want to get, like, ahead of them. Like, you, you've experienced, like, this entire game together, so you want to experience the next moment together, too. Um, and I don't know, I just... You don't you don't ever experience that in a in a video game. I don't think right. uh, unless yeah. unless you're playing with somebody that you know. But then you have like this sort of uh, this out of the game friendship that you can draw on. Um, right. You you would never do that with like a stranger in like a first person shooter or something. You'd be more likely <laughs> to shoot them and then go teabag them, <laughs> <laughs> and then like yell something racist into your microphone. Um, so. So I don't want to I don't want to talk too much ab- about this game because if you listen to any like video game podcasts, if any of our audience out there has listened to these podcasts, uh, they've pretty much talked at length, you know, as to what this game is about. But mm-hmm. and they've kind of kind of talked about the same thing I talked about with this sort of shared experience with a with another stranger. Um, right. But I just wanted to bring it up because I played it uh, played through the entire game, which is like only an hour and a half long. Uh, but definitely well worth the the fifteen dollars that it costs. So, uh, if you're out there and you have a a PlayStation Three, um, don't think twice about getting this. Um, just go out and buy it because it's it's really probably one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. So, cool. I actually uh, had read a really short article about that game, like maybe two weeks ago or something, and I almost sent you a link to it. I was like. I think Kyle would like this. <laughs> and then I, it looks like it's a really, uh, uh, the, I don't know why I got tripped over that, but it looks like a really beautiful game. Like the, yeah, the, the, the art style is like really simple, right? But yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, it's pretty much all like desert or sand themed. Like the, mm-hmm. the sand in it is like really amazing looking. I know that sounds stupid, but, uh, <laughs> It has a a real sort of artistic look instead of like a realistic look, um, and that yeah. I think serves the game a lot. Like the main character doesn't look like a human; it looks like, I mean, it's human shaped. It has like two arms and two legs, but the mm-hmm. legs are sort of like pointy, like angled. They're not; they don't look like legs. There's like no feet. Mm-hmm. Um, the the person is is dressed in what looks a little bit like a burka, so there's just like sort of slits for the eyes, and that's the only part of the face that you can see. Um, and the eyes are kind of glowy, um, instead of there being like pupils and 
irises and stuff <laughs> behind there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so so it's a really stylized look and it and it it really does look uh amazing and that's that's part of one of the things i think that um that makes you sort of want to share that experience with somebody <laughs> is like mm-hmm. what are we going to see when we you know crest to this hill or what are we going to see when we uh, look around this corner so yeah hmm. is uh there's this game on xbox called limbo is that on ps3 also yeah, it actually just came to PS3 uh, a couple months ago, I think. Yeah, that's got the same. It's not the exact same thing, but the all the artwork is basically your character is a silhouette the entire time, and I think maybe you see like his eyes. Like, yeah, um, the white, I, and then but everything else is pretty much just black and gray. Yeah, I was uh, I was super jealous when this game came out uh, <laughs> exclusively on the Xbox. Um, couple of years ago but yeah. fortunately yeah it came out it came out on the uh the playstation like oh, half a year ago or a year ago and i played it and you're right it has this really cool art style um mm-hmm. silhouettes and uh like sort of grayish backgrounds like it's al- it's almost entirely in black and white there are a couple sections i think that have a little bit of color yeah um but yeah it's just a, a really cool art style to it and the, the gameplay is pretty unique too um there's not like you don't have weapons or anything. It's all sort of puzzle based. But if you fail a puzzle, you die. <laughs> yeah, and the death is sort of like even in the silhouette, black and white. It it feels really gory, even though it's really simple. <laughs> yeah, I hate those. Um, I hate those brain eater things that land on your head. Oh, I've never yeah. played it, but I've watched Josh play it. It's one of the games that like there are very few games that I'll like sit there and watch somebody else play, but that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, that's actually really cool because later on in the game, there's like a part where you have to let one of those <laughs> attach to you, yeah. Yeah. uh, in order to get past one of the puzzles. So yeah, that, uh, that, that particular, um, mechanic in that game was really cool, especially the way they turned it on their head at the end of the game. So yeah, so now I'm jealous of the journey game. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, I thought about just like, like I didn't want uh initially I didn't want somebody else to be there and like sort of ruin the exploration for me because I'm I'm more of a single player kind of person. Like I like to go through a game and I like to experience it at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Um and I like to sort of explore every nook and cranny and I was afraid that uh if somebody else was there with me that there would be this sort of expectation for me to follow them or for them to follow me and not not play the game how I wanted to play it. Um, and that happened for like the first five minutes, but then after we sort of solved the first puzzle together, uh, from that moment on, like I didn't care about really the, like exploring every single detail in the environment. It just became about this sort of shared, like, yeah, we're going to get through this together and we're going to, we're going to get to the end. And then there's like Mm. this really sort of poignant thing that happens at the end too, that, uh, I will admit I teared up a little bit at, (laughs) um, uh, which also doesn't really ever happen to me in video games. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just really cool. If you have if you have the chance to play it, you should definitely definitely do that. I have to put a PS3 on the baby registry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, along with our frozen yogurt maker. <laughs> <laughs> we're I'm... we're definitely moving toward a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you guys uh, have like a baby shower. <laughs> Um, I'm going to 
find a way to get that audio <laughs> to the to the moon shower <laughs> and play it for everyone <laughs> during the unveiling of your <laughs> of your uh, soft serve frozen yogurt machine. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we got wildly off topic. Um, uh, that's, let, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll get back and finish up the show. Uh, you guys have been listening to Taekwondo and the Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, guys, I just wanted to, uh, to finish up the show by talking about the haiku contest. Um, I know that we've we've had this running for a couple weeks now, and we've gotten some really good entries. And by that, I mean we got one one pretty good entry <laughs> that had like six haiku. Um, and unfortunately, uh, last time I stated that we weren't going to give more than one prize out to the same person. Um, but as of right now, we've only had one person enter. <laughs> Uh, except for, except for this week, we actually did get, uh, did get an email from, uh, Rebecca. Oh. So, uh, I would, I would normally just read these with the computer voice, but after what happened last time, <laughs> um, when we couldn't really understand half of what was being said, I'm just going to read these. So this first one is titled Haiku. I'm not skilled like my brother and my husband, who both make us laugh. The next one is called... (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Should I read these like a computer? Um... (laughs) No, uh... I would say, um... Just to, to follow up a little bit on this, uh... It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be funny if it's flattering. <laughs> um, so I think you made a good choice with this one and the next couple. <laughs> uh, so the next one is called Carol, and this one goes: Don't you have great kids? They talk <laughs> once a week or so, just for your pleasure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> uh, Alright, this one is called Kyle. Do Mel and Josh help you come up with all the topics for your top of sh- talk of shame? <laughs> That's um, great because it's a haiku and a question for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, to answer the question, um, yes, they do, well, they don't help with all the topics. They do help with some topics. Like... Yeah. Pretty much all of last week were, were things that they had talked about because I was totally unprepared. Um, that explains a lot about uh, the quality of last week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, I guess if you think about it, all the things that you really enjoy about the show, those are probably things that I came up with. <laughs> and then everything else... Uh, no, that's not true. Um, so... Here's a little bit of inside baseball. Like every week, I try to come up with like three or four ideas, and I do solicit ideas from Melanie and Josh. Um, and if they have some ideas that they thought of, I will work them into the show, as if um, as if I came up with those. So, <laughs> uh, me being the sort of um, 
the person who sort of ties the show together, starts all the segments and, you know, wraps them up. Um, it, it's helpful for me if I know what the topics are ahead of time. So I do ask, I do ask for the topics and, um, I would say at least 25% to 30% of the show are ideas that come from Melanie and Josh. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, this one is titled Life of the Student and Teacher. Semesters rule me. I look forward to the breaks. Will this ever end? <laughs> That's a pretty Sounds good one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> Even if you're not like in the academic world, like if if you've gone to school for like or as most people do for like the first 20 23 years of their life. Um <laughs> I guess I should say most people. Most people at least make it through high school though. So the first 18 years of your life. Um right you're still i don't feel like you ever really get out of that uh out of that mindset like i i still constantly have dreams where i'm in school um and still occasionally like if i'm sort of half asleep um think what is my homework like what do i have to do for tomorrow <laughs> uh, which i haven't had homework in at least uh like five and a half years so uh okay this next one is called have, uh... Oh, sorry. And the first time you have, like, you work over the summer, not like a summer job, but your actual job just continues. That's a pretty <laughs> weird feeling. Cause like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm supposed to have a break here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so you get sort of the worst of both worlds. You still think <laughs> in terms of like semesters, but then when you have a right. job, it's like you don't have a, you don't have that summer long break. So, uh, Okay, this next one... Actually, I'm getting a little bit of echo on one of you. Is it me? I blame Maybe. Melanie. Um, yeah, I'm still getting it. Uh, I'm leaning really far away from my computer now. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I only get it when... Well, I don't know. Yeah, I only, I only hear myself echoing, and actually it's fine now, so... Could have yeah, been a problem. Okay. Could have been a problem with Skype, I guess. Could have been. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll just ignore it for now. If it comes back, maybe we'll pause again, but for now it's fine. So um, so the next one is called Podcast. When I hear your voice, I feel close to you again. Why don't you call? Oh, no. I feel like that was directed at me. <laughs> oh, can I take a moment to apologize to Becca? <laughs> Sure. Even if that one wasn't aimed at me, I do owe Becca an apology because she sent me a really nice email. Um, and I read it on a day when I was really busy because I was working on my thesis and stuff. And uh, it seems like every single time that I think to email her back, uh, I'm like going to bed. <laughs> and so I never think of it when I'm actually like in front of my computer, um, which is a horrible excuse. So, Becca, I'm sorry I haven't emailed you back or called you, and uh, I will do that soon. Uh, this is this is the Shame Chronicles podcast, so I like it that our audience is now calling in to shame us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, Becca's super nice, so she probably didn't even necessarily mean to make me feel bad about it. <laughs> I tried to read it in a way that would make you feel bad. <laughs> 
I'm sure in general that Josh and I should call more, but yeah, probably. <laughs> I think she was talking to Kyle, so I think <laughs> probably. Oh, oh. Uh, well, now I feel bad, and that was that was the last of my attention. So, um, okay, let's go on to the next one. This is called "Questions That Never End." When will you have kids? You're pregnant. How do you feel? New baby. No sleep. <laughs> we were just talking the other day about how um well I've been watching a lot of baby shows lately for uh-huh. obvious reasons and uh and it seems like every time they have like friends or relatives on the show before a baby is born um that friend or relative will always be like you better get your sleep now cuz you know you're never going to get any later <laughs> and this is like something that, um, like I have some, some friends who have recently been pregnant or are pregnant now. And this is like the number one thing people say to them. It's like, you better do X now because you won't have the chance later. And I don't mean the drug. I mean, like, an X is a symbol. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know why people feel the need to say that. Like, obviously you've thought that. Um, you're not an idiot, you know, you know, at some point you're going to be tired because babies, you know, demand your attention and stuff. Right. So I really don't understand why people feel the need to always say, you're not going to get enough sleep or you're not going <laughs> to, uh, you know, your, your, your life is going to be completely changed. It's like, yeah, of course it is. I so. like the idea specifically with, um, with the person telling you, uh, to get, to catch up on your sleep now. I like yeah. the idea that you can somehow stockpile sleep <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to be used at a later date. Right. <laughs> yeah, it would be wonderful if that were the case. <laughs> or yeah. or what's worse is if you're having trouble sleeping because you're uncomfortable because you're pregnant, um, people will be like, you think it's bad now, wait till the baby comes. <laughs> you're like, you jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... This is just my my um, my impression, uh, and one of the reasons why Lauren and I don't want to have kids to begin with is that this these people sort of are implying to you that you will never be ready for having kids until you have kids. Like you right. don't you d- you just don't understand like what this is gonna take out of you in order to raise these kids, especially a, an infant. Right. Um. But I do think that it's kind of a shitty thing for these people to just constantly, like, tell you that. <laughs> like, like you know that. I, I mean, like, I think yeah. it's probably a, a fairly common thing uh, to be a little bit freaked out about, like, what's going to happen, like, once you actually have this baby and have to take care of it. Like, you don't need right. somebody constantly reminding you of the fact that you've never taken care of a human before. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's like a little club. Like people who've had kids are like in this little club, and and the and I to be honest, I haven't actually received a lot of this kind of feedback from people, so I'm not like calling anybody out here. But from what I've observed, it's sort of like um, they want to like initiate you in and like share everything that they know and give you advice, but then they also want it to be very clear to you that you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like and a hazing ritual or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, I'm going to point out how little you actually know, but I also want to help you by making you do exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't gotten a lot of that, so I guess I'm lucky. And uh, hopefully it, it won't happen a lot more before the baby comes. But <laughs> uh, Okay. That was a that was a good haiku. It got us yes. talking for like five minutes. So, um, okay, there's two more. Uh, the first one is called Texas. Houston or Denton are both in better time zones than your current home. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna assume that this one was directed at you too. <laughs> yes. Because I'm already in the same time zone as Houston and Denton. Um, so it would be hard to get into a better time zone, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, we agree, and we'll be back in that time zone by June, probably. So. <laughs> uh, okay, and this last one is called You'll Make Fun of Me. <laughs> uh, which I like the title. It fits in with the theme of the show. So <laughs> here goes. I am not funny. I have known this a long time. Does this make you laugh? <laughs> Becca is too funny. <laughs> I, th I think that if you can engage in some meta humor in a haiku, yeah. that you're a funny person. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I would agree with you. I think, I mean, I haven't, I haven't really hung around with Becca a whole lot. Um, but what I do remember is her being a funny and fun person. So, yes. Uh, and and most of these haiku uh, play that out. Uh, she also seems to be pretty skilled in sucking up. And <laughs> <laughs> sucking up, but also in in uh, shaming you at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's a delicate balance. <laughs> these sounds like uh, the good traits of a mother in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> they do sound like that. I'm gonna backhanded guilt you while I compliment you. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so thank you becca for for emailing us sending in your haiku um you have now been entered into the contest and you have a chance of winning one of our fabulous prizes which we'll get to uh at the end of at the end of this segment so um the next email uh was from steven again <laughs> he, sent, he sent in another haiku um and this one, he only sent in one. This is titled, That Creepy Guy Who Lives in Everyone's Neighborhood That We Were Taught to Think Nicely Of By Watching Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> the old guy. <laughs> uh, or uh, reading To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Ruby Radley. <laughs> um, I feel like... Uh, I feel a little bit uncomfortable reading this haiku, just looking <laughs> through it now. <laughs> uh, and I was thinking that I would play this uh, as the computer voice, but I don't know if it will have as much impact. So I'll just read it, um, and uh, and you'll probably see why I was uncomfortable after I finish. <laughs> My vagina is lo kept locked up in a box like the Russian dolls. <laughs> What does that have to do with the guy? Uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's from the, that's what the guy says, and uh, it's a reason um, to con continue considering him creepy. 
Well, so I was trying to think of, like, why the Russian dolls element. Right. Um, but uh, a slang term for vagina is box. And so if you were to lock a vagina in a box, <laughs> that would have sort of a this this nested Russian doll thing, right? <laughs> uh, anyway... Let's let's move on because this is just making me super uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was partially his intention. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, at, at the very end, he signs he signs this email by saying, "That was fun." <laughs> um. Okay, so we have one more uh, one more email here, and Josh, this is from you, as uh, sent earlier today, like two hours ago. <laughs> and in the email, you asked me to read this as the text-to-speech um, computer voice. So, And you also did some interesting things with formatting here to separate them, um, where you put sort of like ellipses between the, uh, yeah. between the haiku. I'm just going to copy this in exactly. <laughs> And we're going to yeah. see how, how the computer pronounces these. It's kind of what I was hoping was that uh, those would put a little bit of break between the haiku, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, some of these are ellipses, and some of these are not full ellipses. They're just two dots. So <laughs> I'm afraid we'll that it's going to... Yeah, I think it, it might just pronounce this as dot, 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 dot. Uh, but we'll see. Um... So, here goes. No one cares about black and white in analog. I'm ones and zeros. My grandfather was an abacus, but also a little racist. Love is watching, <laughs> while in infinite recursion you dump your memory. You can unfriend me, but I'll Google you, and I can hack your webcam. The difference between robotic and erotic is in the hardware. You complete me like a search algorithm. Or Wikipedia. <laughs> Can we read those like in real in a real voice? <laughs> sure. So the first one uh, is, no one cares about black and white in analog. I'm ones and zeros. Uh, then, my grandfather was an abacus, but also a little racist. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh. Love is watching while in infinite recursion you dump your memory. <laughs> uh, oh, computer jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can unfriend me, but I'll Google you, and I can hack your webcam. <laughs> and there's actually two apostrophes in aisle here. <laughs> That's why I wanted the computer... is oh, I L L. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna pronounce this again. Or have the computer pronounce this again, uh, just so that everyone can can listen to this again. I L L. And now I'm going to fix this and see if it pronounces it correctly. <laughs> I'll. I'll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So second to last one. The difference between robotic and erotic is in the hardware. <laughs> I like the way the computer pronounced robotic, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play that one again. Robotic. Robotic. <laughs> Robotic. 
that's my favorite pronunciation of robot is robot. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, and then the last one. You complete me like a search algorithm or Wikipedia. Nice use of a five-syllable word <laughs> to close out the last line of that. <laughs> yeah, those are, um, if you, in case you didn't, couldn't tell, were supposed to be sort of like it was the computer voice that was right. doing the talking. So yeah. yeah. So, Melanie, when you asked me to read it, you sort of ruined the effect. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it, it did. It did help make them uh, more understandable. I think. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, it appears that my dogs want to be on this podcast too. Uh, <laughs> give me a second, and uh, we'll be right back. I guess we should do more than just sneeze uh, while Kyle's gone, in case he forgets to cut it out again. <laughs> Yeah, that's what. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think we've already done more than sneeze, so that's, that's something. But now he won't see that it's a big dead space, so he won't see that he has to cut it out. Oh, that's true. Um, I just, uh, I think they heard somebody unlocking their car. Oh. <laughs> and didn't like it. Also, oh. I heard something about uh, dead space and cutting something out. Uh, well, we just talked through that whole thing, so you won't be able to just see dead space, <laughs> if that's even what you see when you edit it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm probably going to be searching for the time that my dogs uh, <laughs> spoke incredibly loudly into the microphones, uh, and then I'll, I'll probably listen to that part immediately afterwards. But maybe I won't cut it out. <laughs> maybe we'll just hear what you guys talked about. So, uh, so there's always that. Also... Um, as soon as I came back, that was us coming back from the the tiny break. So, um, the part that we've just been talking about, I'm also going to leave in. <laughs> um, okay, so to our listeners out there, and especially I want to I'm going to say a specific um, word of encouragement to our foreign listeners out there. If you're in Italy or Brazil or um, Let's say Australia, uh, New Zealand. If you're, if you're in a country that is not the United States of America, um, please send us an email or, or call in. Cause I think that would be, uh, super interesting to find out why you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, also, Especially after we've made fun of you. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I'm, I'm not, uh, afraid to ship the fabulous haiku prizes overseas. Uh, so if you want to win um, the signed copy, the autographed copy, <laughs> autographed by us copy of uh, Poetry for Dummies, or the suitable for framing printed out copies of <laughs> Dummy.com, uh, Tanaka and Haiku, Tonka and Haiku, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, then... Uh, then, you know, send us an email, send us your haiku, and as I mentioned, the contest is not over because we don't have enough uh, contestants yet um, because Josh is disqualified. Um, so send us your haiku. I will ship things internationally. I mean, it might take a little longer to get to you uh, because, uh, you know, you live across the ocean, um, and I think things have to go by airplane. So... Uh, <laughs> 
but also if you're out there and you're listening and you're you're in another country just just write us and tell us why you're listening because <laughs> right now I think that maybe there's like some hackers that are downloading the the podcast and just have like some sort of weird routing thing that's going through your country uh, and I won't be convinced otherwise until somebody uh, somebody from from another country sends me an email in a language that I can't understand um Okay, so if you do want to send us something, uh, the email address is shamechronicles at gmail.com. Uh, the phone number is uh, 914-40-SHAME. Uh, if you're calling internationally, you have to put a 1 first, I think, <laughs> in order to call it because it's an American number. Um, I don't think you can call collect, so don't use a zero. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the website is chamechronicles.com. Uh, that website has all the contact information there. So in case I got the voice number wrong just now, <laughs> and you call and it's uh, you don't hear my wonderful voice uh, telling you to leave a message, um, then go to the website and look at the look at the information there. That's shamechronicles.com. Um, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, was there anything you wanted to add before we wrap it up? No. No, uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, as always, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're welcome to come on the show. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess that's going to do it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.